0: Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christ Church Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays.
1: The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered round Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews... Instead of eating their food with unclean hands? He replied Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honour your father and your mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is korban, that is, a gift devoted to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this, Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean, for it doesn't go into his heart but into his stomach and then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, Lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean.
0: Good morning, everyone. A very happy new year to you. Um, Ian, thanks very much for reading for us. Uh, Do keep your Bibles open at that reading from Mark 7. It's on page 1010 in the Pew Bibles. And in the bundle you received on the way in, there should be a little handout that will give you a summary of where we're going the next few moments, you might find that helpful to have to hand. Well, let me pray as we look at God's word together. The prophet Jeremiah writes this, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And so, Father, this morning we ask for your help. Please help us to understand our hearts, to see where they are um, deceitful, uh, where they are beyond cure. And we pray this, that we might be a people who find uh, the rescue that comes to us in Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's that time of year at the start of a new year when many of us take time to take stock of our lives. It's a time we make resolutions. We join the gym, lose a few pounds. We want to be a a better friend, be more organized, respond to text messages more quickly, uh, clear out the wardrobe. And there's a reason why we often take stock at this time of year and make resolutions because we know that deep down inside, things could be better. We could be fitter. We could be a better friend. We could respond to text more quickly. We could be more organized at home. And so again and again, we launch into attempts to close the gap between aspiration and reality in our lives. And today, we start a new series of Mark's Gospel, and this morning, Jesus is going to help us take stock of our lives. But the issue before us this morning is not our fitness levels or how organized we are. No, the issue is much more fundamental, much more urgent. The issue is our cleanliness, our spiritual, our moral cleanliness, and we do all want to be clean. Not least because we care about what other people think of us, but, but but more than that, we care about what God thinks of us now in the present, but much more so on that day when each one of us will stand before the Lord, the one who is blazing white in his holiness, who cannot tolerate uncleanliness. And so each one of us we, we long to be clean. Our reading for Mark 7 contains two groups, and everyone in Mark 7 agrees that cleanliness matters. But the big debate in our reading is what it takes to be clean. The Pharisees, who are the religious elites of the Jesus' day, they think they know what it takes to be clean, and we'll see this morning that their answer is alive and well today, and indeed in many Christian hearts and then we'll see the answer Jesus gives, and it couldn't be more different. So what does it take to be clean? Our first heading, a false diagnosis that we love to hear. We pick up the story after Jesus has been performing some incredible miracles. He's been feeding thousands of people with just a few loaves and some fish. He's been walking on water through a raging storm. And there's a real buzz growing around his ministry. And some Pharisees come down from Jerusalem to check him out. To see what this buzz is all about. And straight away they have some concerns. Look at verse 2. These Pharisees saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean. That is unwashed. Now, in the Old Testament law, priests had to wash their hands before they ate food at times. But verse three tells us it had become common practice for all devout Jews to wash their hands as well. And if you were to ask a Pharisee, why do you wash your hands before you eat a meal? They would say, I think, something like, we do it because we care about God's law. It means everything to us. And we're so concerned to keep God's law that we try to draw helpful boundaries back from the edge so that we would never actually break a law. And so if if God's law says you must drive beneath 70 miles an hour, a Pharisee would always be found in the slow lane going at 65 or below just in case, staying well away from the edge of actually breaking one of God's laws because they are so concerned to keep it. And so you can feel the force of the question they put to Jesus in verse 5. Why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders instead of eating their hands with unclean, food with unclean hands? In other words, Jesus, don't you and your disciples care about God's laws? Don't you want to be clean? And of course, God's law is good cleanliness matters a very great deal. But can you see the diagnosis at work in the Pharisees? For the Pharisees, they think cleanliness is achieved by keeping the dirty world at bay, out there, drawing boundaries and fences to keep the world out there and to keep themselves cut off and pure from what pollutes. And it's this kind of rule creation and rule keeping that is behind every religion in this world rules become rungs on a ladder that we climb to get near to god and it's also how many christians think we think that our cleanliness before god depends on the things that we do and so on our, on our good days, when we've gone up early and had a, had a good long um, study of the Bible and we've prayed, and then on the bus to work, we've spoken to someone about Jesus. And then at work, when our colleagues have been really annoying, we've remained calm and patient. And even when our boss has been unfair, we haven't complained about it. And then that night, even though we're shattered, we've gone to a small group and we've contributed helpfully to the study. And as we go to bed that night and rest our head in the pillow, we think, oh, it's been a good day. And we, even though we wouldn't quite say it this way, we must think, I'm in God's good books. He must be pleased with how I've lived today. And when we've had a bad day, we put our head in the pillow and we think, I must try harder tomorrow. This diagnosis that the Pharisees give is a diagnosis that we love to hear. Partly because it puts the problem of uncleanliness out there in the world around us, not in here. And also because it puts the power to be clean within our grasp. If we just get the right boundaries, the right rules, the right methods, the right energy to keep the rules, then we can be clean. But keeping the dirt out. It's a diagnosis we love to hear. It's a diagnosis we so often believe, and yet it is a diagnosis that is totally false. Look at how Jesus responds in verse 6. He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. Some time ago, a man wanted to see what would happen if he only lived on food from a particular fast food chain. And I think it was a month he ate breakfast, lunch and dinner just from this one particular fast food chain. And um, after a, m- a month, his health was, was in a terrible state. He was actually seriously ill. Um, and if you wanted to see what happens if you eat only from this particular chain, this man is a great example of what will happen to you. And Jesus, I think, holds up the Pharisees to us and says, if you want to pursue cleanliness the Pharisee way, here is what will happen to you you will become far from God, you will worship in vain. You'll become hypocrites. You will end up holding on to the traditions of men and not the law of God. The Pharisees have been pursuing cleanliness through law keeping, but in fact they've ended up letting go of God's laws altogether. And this is strong stuff. It would be like saying to Lewis Hamilton, you have no idea how to drive a car. Or to Jamie Oliver, you, you cannot cook. Here is Jesus saying to Pharisees who, who are devout keepers of God's law, he says to them, you have abandoned God's law. How could this be? Well, verse 9 onwards gives us a worked example to illustrate the point Jesus is making. It is a bit complicated, but, but bear with me, it's worth the effort. Verse 10, the fifth commandment that God gives his people is that they are to honour their father and their mother. But then in verse 11, it seems the Pharisees had developed this concept of, of Korban. And not a politician, by the way, but a, a human tradition. And uh, we don't know exactly what this human tradition involved, but it seemed to include setting aside money for God as a sign of, of spiritual fervor. Look how much money I've given to God. It's Korban now. But then the needy parent gets in touch and says, if you've got any spare money, I'm up against it. And the Jew says, I'm really sorry. All my cash is Corbin, given to God. I can't help. A modern-day example might be, imagine if um, we have uh, parents who live nearby who are older in years, and they ring up one day, and they, they say, I'm, I'm really sorry to ask this of you, but um, we're starting to struggle just mowing the lawn, would you mind popping around once a fortnight just to mow the lawn for 20 minutes? And then you get out your, your diary, you flick it through, and you say, well, Monday night, it's, it's PCC. And then um, Tuesday night, I'm taking a friend to Christianity Explore and then, or Encounters. And then Wednesday night, it's Small Group, of course. And then Thursday, it's my prayer trip, But Friday, we always have people from church around for a nice evening together. And then Saturday, it's family time with the kids. And of course, Sunday, is church. And so I love to help you, but I'm too busy serving God. Now, none of these activities are are bad. In fact, they're all good things, but they are human traditions. And they can make us feel smug about our cleanliness. Look how much I'm serving God. But in fact, they can take us away from God's command to honor our parents. And the point Jesus makes from this worked example is very clear. If we think that cleanliness is something that we can achieve through law-keeping and boundaries and rules then we are completely deluded. All that happens is that we end up being far from God and we worship him in vain. Now, first this morning, how can we tell if we are in danger of thinking like the Pharisees that cleanliness is something that we can achieve through law-keeping well, I think there are some warning signs that we see from the life of the Pharisees that we should be aware of in our hearts to help us diagnose what we think. And so here is one sign that we might believe their diagnosis. Look out for hypocrisy. Imagine I'm due to meet a friend for coffee down in Broomhill, Hill, let's say Costa Coffee, and because I love my neighbor, as God says I should, I get there five minutes early to not leave them waiting for me. And I get there and I feel smug. Look how loving I am. But then my friends, they are 10 minutes late. And as I, I wait for them to arrive, I, I get annoyed because um, they left me hanging and I get smug because I was there first. And when they arrive 10 minutes late, they are profusely apologetic, but I'm just quiet enough to let them know that I am annoyed at them. And then we sit down for coffee, having both broken God's law to love our neighbor. The thing is, I don't realize I have what well, my friend does realize. Because my smugness, uh, my grumpiness is also an act of uh, lovelessness towards my neighbor. But you can see how that kind of mentality works, how it creates hypocrisy. We think, I'm clean, I have got there early, I love my neighbor, and then I end up being unclean by not loving my neighbor and not even realizing it. And so I guess the one challenge for us here is to look into our hearts and our lives to see where there is this hypocrisy at work. Where do we look down on people and write them off when in fact we do the same thing? And when we think that we can obtain cleanliness through our own personal effort, this kind of hypocrisy is never far away. Uh, another sign, uh, look out for a focus on externals. Uh, when I was a kid growing up, my, my mom would ask me to, to clean my room and uh, I worked out quite quickly that you can clean your room in a few seconds if you stuff the dirty socks into the wardrobe and pile the toys on the far side of the bed. It looks, it looks quite clean. But the thing is, we never really grow out of that mentality, even as adults. We think that we can be clean by just presenting an, an external that looks clean. So we come on a Sunday for 90 minutes and we rub shoulders with people and for 90 minutes we can put our best side forward, we can keep our temper in control and we can appear other person-centered and loving towards people, but what happens beneath the surface? What are we like on Sunday afternoon, on Monday morning? The famous Scottish preacher, Mary McShane, said this, what a man is alone on his knees before God, that he is and no more. And the final sign, I think, from Mark 7 that we should watch out for is looking down on others. That is what the Pharisees do when they see the, the disciples failing to wash their hands and meeting their standards. And when we think our own boundaries bring us close to God, that is when we look down on other people who don't keep our own personal standards and boundaries. And so if we are constantly judging other people, it might be a sign that we have begun to think that our own cleanliness um, brings us close to God. What does it take to be clean? A false diagnosis we love to hear. And second, a true diagnosis we need to hear. And now we, we turn to the words of Jesus and his diagnosis of what is really going on in the human heart. And he couldn't be clearer. Look at verse 15. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. In other words, the problem is not out there. It's, it's in here, in our hearts. We are unclean because of what comes from within us, not from what comes at us from outside. But, but so ingrained is the diagnosis of the Pharisees that in verse 17, the disciples just don't get it. They, they can't see it. And so, verse 18, 18, are you so dull? Jesus asks. Don't you see that nothing enters a man from outside can make him unclean? And then comes the hammer blow in verse 20. What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of man's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly, and all these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. You see, the Pharisees spent so much time building walls to keep the evil from the world outside them. Jesus says, the evil's not out there. It's inside you. That's the problem. And this unravels the narrative our world clings to. The world says, people are basically good. Oh, we might have a few blips, a few bad days, but but on the whole, the human heart, the human nature, we're, we're a good race, the human race. But Jesus says, the problem is on the inside, at our core. Many years ago, a newspaper ran an article asking the question, what's wrong with the world? And famously, G.K. Chesterton read a letter back saying very simply, I am yours sincerely, G.K. Chesterton. And according to Jesus, the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. Our hearts are a bit like this um, this mug. Imagine um, this, is, this is my heart. In fact, it's got a it's got a P on it for Pete. That's very handy, isn't it? Uh, so imagine this is my heart, and as you look on from your seats, you see my heart, and all you can see is the outside. Uh, you can't see what's inside the, the mug inside my heart, and um, I desperately want you to think that I am a clean person. I would love to convince you that I'm a, I'm a godly and well-rounded person. And perhaps even for 90 minutes this morning, I might be able to convince some that I am a clean person through and through. But you can't tell because you can't see inside the mug. Now, I might be able to say to you, you're inside this mug is the smoothest, the, the most well-rounded flat white coffee in the world. Um, it's been produced from the best beans and the finest barista has overseen it. And it's, what's inside is wonderful. But, but you can't tell, you see, you can't see inside it. How can you see into my heart? Well, so often how we know is when we're bumped, that's when what's inside spills out. I'm sorry about the floor there. Um, But you see the point. uh, When we're bumped and our lives are shaken, that's when what's inside spills out. We can't control it. Uh, So on Tuesday, driving back from holiday on the motorway, a driver in front of me was driving in a way that that annoyed me. And before I knew it, a stream of angry criticisms were flowing out of my mouth to my dear wife. Uh, A few days before, I was talking to someone who began to annoy me. And before I realized it, I had responded with a, a cutting and sarcastic one-liner, which I instantly forgot. Uh, regretted saying. What about us? When we are bumped in life, what comes out? When a, the person we're due to meet is late, when you work hard and no one notices, when your spouse does something to annoy you, when your children refuse to heed your requests, When you hit a traffic jam and are late for a meeting, when our boss treats us unfairly, what comes out? These bumps don't cause the evil reaction. They simply reveal what's inside all along. And just take a look again at that list that Jesus gives us. Verse 21, he says sexual immorality is is what's inside. That is, any sexual activity outside the faithful lifelong marriage between a man and a woman. But then notice also he talks about idolatry, which, according to Jesus, includes lust, the lingering looks, the thoughts that we have in our minds. There's murder inside, not just the physical act of killing, but anger towards another. There is envy inside, looking at what what someone has and wishing we had it, the clothes, the good looks, the personality, the, the gifting, the physique, the spouse, the job, the lifestyle. Slander is inside, putting another person down, elaborating on the details of the story so that we look good and they look bad. And if we could look at all those things and think that we have done none of them and we begin to feel smug, then arrogance is there as well. Thinking we are better than others, looking down on others who are not as clean as we are. Why do we do these things? The problem is not out there, the problem is in here. It comes from within our hearts. Think about young children. You don't need to teach a child to grab a toy, you don't need to teach them how to brag and boast when they win, you don't need to teach them how to lie. It happens all by itself. Because the human heart is unclean. What does it take to be clean? Well, here is the true diagnosis that we need to hear from Jesus. On our own, we could never be clean, because the problem is not out there, the problem is in here. as we close, these verses are not in the Bible to leave us feeling condemned. No, they are here to help us take stock of our lives in such a way that we are driven to seek the right cure, to stop us from trying to be clean through our own efforts and instead to look for another way. And I wish we had time to look at this more, but next week we will have it. A sign that we believe the diagnosis of Jesus is that we'll be like the woman that we'll see next week Verses 25 and 26, an unclean Greek woman who comes running to Jesus and all she does is she falls on her knees and she begs for mercy knowing that she has nothing to bring herself. That is a sign that we understand the right diagnosis. We come begging for mercy knowing we have nothing in and of ourselves to bring. And the wonderful thing is that Jesus has come to bring mercy. The great news of the gospel is that he has come to make undeserving people clean because he alone has kept God's law perfectly. He alone has a heart that is always constantly and forever pure. It is not evil. And he came to die on a cross to give his perfect life as the ransom payment to free us from our sin and uncleanliness. And as we come in a moment to share bread and wine, as we remember his death on the cross in our place, let us come rejoicing that through the death of Jesus, there is nothing left that we have to do. We are already clean, fully, finally, and forever, simply by trusting in his death. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that these words help us to take stock of our hearts and to see the truth that we must see. And Father, we do pray that you'd help us to be a people who uh, do not slip into a mindset where we think that we can become clean or stay clean through our own efforts. Help us to be a people who uh, fall to our knees asking for mercy and who discover again and again and again that through Jesus we have all that we need, that we are made freely, fully, and finally clean through his death. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.